This is the GPL Podcast from GoForPuckLive.com. They like their little corner of paradise. Yes, they do. They're down to to stay there. If I can't take my snowmobile to the game, I'm not going. (laughs) (laughs) Do make mistakes. I love it. And so... I had to train for this marathon. Make sure you stay awake for the game tomorrow. And, and dedicate their building at this time of year. You know, they, they've got the wild going tonight, and they want to have that continue. But I said once, where you, Can you mute yourself? Oh, my God. Now, here's Jupiter and Vigo. Good evening and welcome to the GPL podcast, episode number 228. Well, let's bring in Mr. Eric Vigo. How's it going, Vigs? It's going great. Row the boat, Skyuma. Go Gophers. Oh, jeez. Thanks to Wago Golf for this lovely polo that I'm pimping tonight, so appreciate that. Very nice. Very nice. As you can see, a couple more different audio, if you're listening, or video clips in the beginning from last week's show, where I almost choked on the whole glass of water. That went really well. But this is what makes it fun. So, Viggs, we've got another returning guest this week. That's right. He was at the game on Sunday, along with a lot of his fellow alums. A great lot. turnout. Great and not turnout just 2002, everyone. 2003 either. Yeah. I mean, I saw Chorsky there. I saw a bunch of others there that uh, we haven't seen in a while. Well, let's just bring him in. Former Gopher goalie, Eric Shearhorn. Eric, how's it going, man? Nice to have you back on the show. Good. Thanks for having me back. Third time here. I'm honored. That, that's more than your buddy Ramsey now. He's only, has he been on only twice now, hasn't he? So as long as, I, as long as I stay ahead of him, my ego can be maintained. <laughs> if he gets ahead of me in that, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> Well, Viggs, the weekend went exactly like you said it would. Maybe it's not so much scoring, but the, you know the home team winning both nights. Um, tell us your thoughts. I know a lot of Husky fans think that the food poisoning thing was an excuse. They they tend to have this this <laughs> bias against Bob. Anything that he says, they just say he's making excuses, but. I think it was pretty legitimate that some of the Gophers didn't have their full uh, level of conditioning for the series. And I was impressed with their ability to persevere and continue to play really hard through what was probably a adverse weekend for them. I thought playing St. Cloud, you know, they play so tight defensively for you to get scoring chances. You have to be really, really engaged and to not give up chances against you have to be disciplined. Well, I actually have a little clip from uh, Mr. Motsko from Sunday when he was talking about the little food poisoning. Well, we don't know for sure. Like, I'm, like it all happened after a team meal, and it happened like uh, to all the guys at the same time. Uh, so that's what made us look, and then it was over. Then they blew through it. Uh, <laughs> More wins than one. They blew but it wasn't. It was nasty. And then, so eight guys. And we had two that are not here tonight. So, um, 
and that might be the good news if it was because you know you're hearing bad stories of the flu last and it, it was this adversity, you gotta, you gotta have it all if you're gonna be a good hockey team. I've just figured it out. Vegs just blew through it. Um, how sick were these guys? I think it's like one of those food poisoning things where you're sick and you can't keep anything down. And when you've got to play hockey, you need to keep some fluids down. You got to get some energy. And so I think they were just not able to do that going into the weekend. And I think it obviously impacted them. You look at some of the shift lengths, especially like Matthew Nyes, he was coming off the ice pretty quick. And that led to some confusion, I think, because Logan Cooley and Jimmy Snuggerud like to take long shifts. So they got kind <laughs> yes. of jumbled up with their continuity, which became an issue here and there. Uh, Rhett Pillick took advantage of the extra ice time. I thought he looked really good all weekend. Uh, but it was, it was impressive to see them push through it. Now, now, Eric, being on a, many hockey teams you have, that's the one thing that just has got to suck. If, I mean, one person gets sick with the flu, um, you're, or in this case, you're all eating the same meal. You all, a lot of them get sick. There's just not much you can do about it because you guys are with each other all the time. Yeah. Yeah, you're with each other at the rink. You're living with them. We had something similar. I want to say it was my sophomore year or junior year, but it just ran through our team, like 10 to 12 guys all of a sudden dropping like flies right before. I want to say we were playing Michigan. I can't remember when. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been to that movie and it's not fun. And <laughs> I was talking to a couple of the guys after down below and they said like eight to 10 guys were battling it. So, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't three or four guys were, were fighting. Um, so that's not nothing. It's not really an excuse, but it's also not nothing. Um, you you got to note it, but I mean, I thought I still thought they played well. So credit to them. So three nothing shutout up in St. Cloud uh, Saturday night. Vigs, basically a one nothing game. A one nothing game. I I know Bob said it was an exciting, fun defensive game. I was bored the entire game, and I, it just seems like that boredom went through the at least the first period of Sunday's game as well. But on Saturday. Tell me what I should have been excited about. Well, again, it was one of those games where both teams are pretty cautious. And yes. I, I do think that the food poisoning thing is a little bit of an excuse. But the thing that I thought was missing from Minnesota's game was they weren't on time to forecheck the puck. They were always kind of a step, step and a half behind where they were just kind of easing up. They weren't going hard in the corners to, to battle for those pucks when they dumped them in. I thought Minnesota all weekend did a really, really nice job of not feeding the St. Cloud offense. I think we've seen in some of the Gopher teams from the past, in a game like this, they force offense, they force chances, they lose pucks at the blue lines, and they, they put themselves behind. I think the most important thing for fans to take away is Minnesota didn't do that. They were pretty disciplined with the puck. And at times I thought they had possession, the offensive zone, and they did a good job of having that possession high enough in the zone where St. Cloud wasn't going to chase. And I thought that allowed them to control the game a little bit better and, and never really let the Huskies get long periods of possession. Mm -hmm. and, and Eric, on the flip side, I bet you, you just love those defensive games. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if, if I'm playing, well, I was I was the same as you, Drew. If I fell asleep on Saturday, like, Sunday, I mean, I was at the game Sunday, so it was a little better, but Sunday was pretty boring too. But um, I think it's good, though. You know, we know that they can win, run, and gun, 
you know, games mm-hmm. when they score five, but learning how to win two one, um, you know, that's what you're going to have to do against, you know, if you look at last year, like a Mankato, um, you got to learn how to win those games come March. So I thought it was a good showing by them. I thought they actually could have got their crown game going a little better, um, which I guess you could also credit to St. Cloud. You know, it's not just about the the Gophers not being yes. able to get it going. St. Cloud did a good job stifling them. Um, but yeah, it was a boring neutral zone, nothing doing <laughs> series, really. Not just Saturday. It was a whole series. Well, I, I did have Micheletti, Pat Micheletti go walking past me at the end of the first period. And he says that was the most boring effing period ever. Yeah. Was, he was, of course, he played in the 80s where it was like 6-5, I mean, he's used to offense. So obviously Pat's a little different, Beegs, but... Yes, winning offensive, you know, defensive games is great, but I still would. <laughs> it's it's tough though because I Brett Larson comes from that Scott Sandlin yep. coaching tree, and when they play a team that's probably more talented than them, this is the way they can win: is to play a tight game and wait for them to make mistakes. I think that the takeaway is Minnesota didn't make many mistakes. Obviously, you know, the penalty expired, the player jumps out of the box. There's a three on one the other way. That's a critical mistake. You make one more mistake in that game and you probably lose it. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they, they limited it to that just one is a nice sign. I thought the penalty kill looked better. Uh, Ryan Johnson is is improving as a player and, and figuring out how to take away passing lanes and how to win pucks when he sees those loose ones. I thought he had a nice weekend. And I think we saw Jackson Lacombe and Brock Faber pushing into the play more which is when you play teams like this, you need those talented defensemen that outnumber the other team down low by joining the play and joining the ground game. That's one way to get up there. And and I think the lower ice time for those guys is paying off and allowing them to have those chances. Okay. I'm seeing uh, Mr. Johnson here in the chat talking about the commercial breaks on the NCHC games. We're kind of spoiled here, Viggs, with these, you know, one, one-minute breaks during the middle of a period, you know, in those games, we were getting three breaks during the period, longer intermissions. I didn't like it either, but really it's going to be the same come NCAA tournament time. It's going to be longer than NCAA tournament. It's good. It's going to be more minutes for Faber and Lacombe and Nyes, Cooley True. and Snuggerud and Minnesota's building their depth over the season without it. So I think it can only help a team like Minnesota come tournament time or the and- big 10 even. Or the Big Ten, because they'll be used to it. So, I, I, you know, it's annoying to watch. I love the two-hour hockey game. <laughs> the best the best change that they've made, uh, you know, you talk about getting more people in the building and more eyes on the college hockey game. I mean, that's, that's it right there. I mean, it's not everything, but that is a phenomenal way. I mean, it's great. You sit down at five, you're done at seven. You, you weren't watching commercials half the time or in intermission half the time. They just go, go, go. It's, it's phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I love it. After a couple of games, you got used to it. You're like, I love this. Yeah. And then, you know, it, it was four or five minutes into the period, in the third period on Saturday, Vegas. And I'm like, this, this game should be over. Yeah. Yeah. So. We're spoiled here in the Big Ten with certain rules. I love it if other leagues would do that. But, um, you know, when it comes to the NCAA tournament, NCAA is going to say, ESPN, do what you want. You're going to get three breaks, probably two, in a, two to two, two to two and a half minutes. 
I mean, Eric, you've sat there in those games. It's like you get some long breaks there just in the middle of a period. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 three commercial breaks is long. So it it depends on the game. Sometimes you love it because sometimes you're gassed and you're like, okay, let me just catch my breath. <laughs> um, but other games, it's it just makes it choppy and have no flow. Um, so I guess as a player, I would be split on that. But as a fan, I'm I love couldn't love the one break more. <laughs> and I don't think I don't think I'm in the minority there. You're not. I mean, like you said, we get spoiled. And uh, just even from 12 to 15 minutes on the period breaks, I'm like, Let, let's go. I'm ready. I'm, I've gone to the bathroom. I've got my snacks. Let's go. I think the only thing I don't like about the short intermission is it's tough to take your lap around the concourse when you're a fan, <laughs> which is like one of the best things ever about hockey is going around on a lap and seeing who you run into. Yeah. You know, even if it's just like a 30, 45 second, hey, how you doing kind of thing. Um, like I saw our old uh, goalie, Dougie Sullivan, he refed one of my squirt games the other night. And it was fun to see him. I don't think he noticed me on the bench until after the game, but he's very focused. But it's just fun to run into people in the hockey world. Uh, but it was, Sunday was the perfect day to do that reunion thing, Viggs, because other teams aren't playing. Um, you know, like Grandpa Tony wouldn't have been there. If it was a Saturday, mm-hmm. his series was over. He, from what I understand, he drove down from up from the UP just for that celebration on Sunday. He he probably twinned it with a recruiting no. aspect as well. He didn't. Well, he might have a recruiting aspect. Yeah, but he drove down because down in uh, down in Faribault. That might be a, a slap on the wrist on the home front if he didn't go Maybe. He's 40 minutes away. <laughs> but apparently there's no direct flights anymore. He would have had to go to Detroit and then come to yeah. here. So he's like, I'm just going to drive it. So he, that's what he did. That's, that's good. And, you know, there was only a few players missing on Sunday from those teams. Um, you know, Vanek wasn't there. I believe he was coaching at the time. Um, I heard Riddle wasn't there. little family thing going on. I think his father may have just passed away or is very ill. Um, but otherwise, I haven't we haven't seen that kind of turnout, Viggs. Especially and they did the same thing last year. There was only like 10, 15 guys there. Yeah, and then they had a nice little family skate after the game, which I thought was really cool to see all the the little kids mm-hmm. out there on the ice skating around. You know, you got some of the kids, they've got their their family names on the back of the jersey. And that's just fun to see as we're starting to see, you know, Kids of uh, former players commit to Minnesota and play for Minnesota that that I remember playing back in the day. Uh, That's just kind of fun to see that next generation have that opportunity. And Eric, you had quite the crew of uh, your teammates there. How did that all come together? Um, Yeah, I don't know. To be honest with you, we just all kind of I hadn't been to a game. I hadn't been to a game this year yet, honestly. And so we're all um, hanging out a week ago or so and talking about obviously this one's circled because it's such a good game you know three versus four or whatever it was um so we're all just kind of like let's get tickets and go i think there was seven or eight of us so it's great it's good for me you know i'm three years removed from hockey in general now um and so it feels like each year we start picking up more people that are done with hockey so it's like you know in the dog days of winter it's like okay we got more stuff to do because we got more guys now so it's nice to have a have a little crew whereas right when i was done i was like kind of lone ranging it basically because everyone was still playing uh so it's nice to have more guys around that are my age 
Well, I got to tell you, it's it's fun to see a lot of you know your team and other team and uh, older players. Like I said, we got to, we saw Tom Chorsky there. He was just there just to be there. Mm. And then he hasn't played since what the early '90s or late '80s, so he's been gone a while and he's no longer on TV. But you know, he he came down this weekend, and it's it's just fun, Vegas, to see the old players because you know what? For a time there, we weren't seeing a lot of players. Yeah, there was a generation that kind of turned away from go for hockey for a little mm-hmm. bit. They had a little different opinion of the direction of the program. But I also think guys like Chorsky, you know, his kids were still playing high school hockey mm-hmm. up until last year. Now I think they're all in college. So it's kind of a, a lighter hockey schedule for him probably allows him to go back. You know, and that's why Vanek's not there is, you know, he's got his kids getting into their, mm-hmm. you know, prep hockey. Type. But he was there earlier this season. So, yes. So he's made it when he can. But you just see that with the different ages of people. But I think uh, Bob has definitely got some strong support from the alums now. You know, Bob's a very man of the people kind of guy. And I'm sure uh, everybody felt pretty welcome. Uh, you know, I saw a bunch of players heading down to the locker room after the game to enjoy in the victory. So probably good good vibes down there. Right, Eric? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think part of it, too, is they've done a great job with the alumni events, like the uh, the golf tournaments that have happened the last couple of years. And I think they had like a wine tasting or something. I couldn't go to that one, but uh, they've done a really good job putting on events and bringing people together and keeping them connected to the program. Of course, I, I don't know any different really, because this is, you know, I'm, I'm fresh out. I don't think there was much of that stuff before, but Bob and Gordo and Paul Martin um, and the whole staff have done a really good job of kind of getting people together in summer and, and events like they, they did for 0203. Uh, Sunday night. So, I mean, I, I think they're seeing the benefits of it and people are feeling welcomed and want to go. And obviously, honestly, I mean, why wouldn't you want to go when the team looks like this too? Like that's mm-hmm. the other aspect that <laughs> you can't discount. It's like that team's fun to watch. The only other thing I wish, I wish school would have been in session because that student yeah. section has been crazy. Yeah. Except for when they're not in session. I mean, it was pretty weak. Even the band was a little thin on Sunday Vegas, but uh, we, we've been talking about the student section for about the past year and a half, two years, how much better they've gotten. It would have been amazing there, but I think we're going to, excuse me, see that in a couple of weeks when Michigan comes to town. Yeah. I think the student turnout was the only kind of disappointing thing for me from the weekend. I was hopeful that they'd turn out because I talked about last week, how the fans had shown up for football games when typically you know they're on break or away for holidays like thanksgiving or whatever and they showed up still for those games i was expecting that they would show up for the saint cloud game uh and they oversell the section but it was it was a little thin for me <laughs> some uh, some news today these we got a we got a, a, kid, a kid who committed we've got some new ncaa rules that just came through they're going to start you know effective july 1st let's talk about that you know looks like the ncaa approved one more paid position for ncaa hockey they tried to do two but they they got one that's effective july 1st and then they also tweaked the transfer rules you, know, you can get one kind of free one but the second one you, it looks like you need some type of waiver or something like that to to transfer a second time what are your thoughts on what the ncaa did or released this afternoon I haven't looked too closely into the waiver situation, but I know that that extra paid position has been talked about for a long Mm -hmm. time. 
And I know a lot of the coaches were looking for it. I think the schools can use it for a goalie coach, which is typically a volunteer position. Mm -hmm. They could use it for a recruiting coordinator or someone who is a paid position to go out and recruit because a lot of USHL games are at the same time as college games. So with that travel, it's very difficult to get out and, and get your brand out there and stay in touch with contacts and stay in touch with commits who might be flipping and things like that. So those are kind of the two big areas where I think they might add the position. I know that goalie coaches around college hockey are probably grinning at this because it's such a tough thing to be there every day as much as you can for practice with college goalies and not get paid. You know, I think it helps their brand and helps them coach their clinics and things like that and run their goalie schools and camps and get their equipment and stuff. But still, you know, that's a lot of time put in right now that was volunteer. Corey's thinking they should lock up Paul Martin with it. I, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm thinking goalie coach is more important. Maybe we, Eric, are you interested in coaching? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe well, now, right? Maybe now you get paid I, for uh, it. My qualifications line up with Paul Martin. So I'll let Paul take <laughs> the full spot <laughs> instead of me. But no, I agree. I, I think it'd be nice to see it used on goalie coaches. Obviously I'm a little biased, but when I was in school, um, our goalie guys, you know, made it two, sometimes three times a week, and they'd go on trips occasionally, but like they were volunteers, right? So it's, yeah, it's good for their brand and all, but I mean, at a certain point, it becomes not worth it too, um, with all the other stuff that they they have to do. Um, and also too, like, it's great because we're in Minneapolis, we're surrounded by goalie coaches, but what about, you know, the Mankatos of the world where their volunteer goalie coach might have to be driving from the cities um, and stuff like that. So I, I think it helps if anything, well, if they use it on goalie coaches, it helps schools like that who don't have access to um, the coaching that maybe we do or university of Michigan does just being in a hockey centered city. Um, so I think that's a really good, really good aspect of it. Now, whether whether teams use it or not on a goalie coach is to be determined. We'll see. We'll see how many go that route. I would think it's worth it. Uh, why wouldn't you? But I'm sure a lot of them will want to add a, another assistant because um, I mean it. It's tough, right? Like you have three paid coaches, and one of them's got to be on the road, damn near all the time recruiting too. So it's like you, you really only have two. So I could I could see the angle of wanting an, another assistant to mainly be recruiting, so you could have your three main guys there the whole time. Um, so that'll be interesting to see uh, how different schools handle that. And we've seen a lot of that, Bees, with uh, said former pro. You know, a lot of times we'll see him on the bench on the weekends, and one of the other coaches are not there. Yeah, I. I... Don't want to diminish what Paul contributes to the program, but I mean, he did have a long NHL career mm-hmm. where you get paid lots of money to, to play hockey and he is, you know, pursuing some, some degrees still, and he's still a student. I don't know how long that's going to last. It's kind of a luxury, I think for Minnesota to have a guy like that around. Uh, but I don't know if it's as important as having that recruiting coach mm-hmm. or that goalie coach, you know, we'll, we'll see what's going to happen. I, I know a lot of coaches wish they didn't have to choose between the two, but uh, that's where they're at. And some won't do anything, will they, Viggs? I mean, it's cost money, and hockey's an expensive sport. And, you know, some of the smaller schools are going to say, will they invest in something like that? Well, it might be something. 
you know, almost like a stipend type situation okay. where they are going to get compensated a little bit. That's the luxury of being in the Big Ten, though. You know, mm-hmm. you look at the top 10 schools for expenses in college hockey, all the Big Ten schools are pretty much in there. So that's that's the benefit of being, you know, a, a big P5 institution. I bet you like that, Eric. You guys were flying to pretty much every location. It was great. We're spoiled. <laughs> when you leave, it's not so fun going back to the park. <laughs> I can tell you that for free. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we had, I had a, we're lucky. And, and you look at, too, like Vig said, and you would know better than me, Viggs, but, like, I don't know, maybe five NCAA D1 hockey teams run a profit, too. So, like, you know, not many teams are probably super willing to fork out a, a regular salary for a fourth coach. So, you're right. I, I would imagine there's a large chunk of teams out there that won't actually do anything with it or or do something small like a – part-time salary type thing. Yeah. I think that's what we're more likely to see with those other schools. They, they, they'll be able to pay something, but it won't be like a full-time gig, like some of these bigger schools in the big 10 and NCHC and hockey East. All right. And the other news today, actually the later this afternoon, Jackson Nevers uh, did a little verbal commitment today. Viggs. Yeah, I noticed he was on campus today for an extended amount of time. He was oh. there before practice. He was there during practice. He's just seeing brother around. Play. Yeah. Uh, well, Mason wasn't at practice today, so Mason Nevers was not out there. So, but the rest of the Nevers clan was. Meaning Mason hasn't blown through the illness, maybe. <laughs> maybe <laughs> we'll see what happens with him. But I think it's a happy moment for the family. Uh, Jackson's had a really nice year for Edina High School. You know, they're a top 10 team. Uh, kind of a surprise, I think, in, in high school hockey. They, they weren't really seen as a top 10 team at the start of the year, I think. And I think they've gotten their act together and they've had some good results. And Jackson Evers is a big part of that. And, you know, I think some players are told, you know, make sure to explore all your options. Just because dad went there and your brother's going there, Maybe it's not the right fit for you. You know, keep your options open. Uh, but he obviously made his mind up today, and he's a gopher. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, but, but it's got to be tough, though, to not follow suit. I mean, we knew about dad in high school. His dad was very good. Ended up playing baseball and all that whole other thing because he's a multi-sport athlete. Um, at least some of us old people remember um, I, I had the Tom Tommy. Nevers Astros baseball card. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, so some of us old people do remember Tommy Nevers because he's pretty pretty much my age or close to it. Um, and, and it would be tough for him to go to another school. It would be, but you know, sometimes you want to get out of the shadow and make your own mark. Uh, but he he's a talented forward. I think he was one of the top uncommitted kids for his age. Uh, that was out there. So I, I know a lot of people on GPL and that follow the Gophers were, were happy to see him finally make up his mind. Okay. Well, that sounds good to me. All that. So Eric, you were telling me before uh, we started the show that you had a little, uh, little pickleball you were playing earlier tonight. Oh yeah. Uh, you, and you're playing with some former uh, players. What's yep. going on there? Yep. Chipotle cup series. It's me and Sam Rossini versus, um, Tyler Nanny and Jack Sadick, and the currency is Chipotle. Winner gets Chipotle. So Sam and I took the cake uh, tonight, which was our first in like four 
um, which I hate to bring up, but yeah, getting some pickleball in at uh, at Lifetime before. It's great. I've got to start playing. Taking over. I, I've I've played it once and I enjoyed it. I yeah, just right. It's us. It's us and all the sixty year olds there, but it's fine. We're having a great time. <laughs> it's it's we the biggest there. growing sport. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our f- favorite uh, North Dakota writer, Mr. Schlossman, he loves the pickleball, doesn't he, Beegs? He is big on the pickleball. Even when he travels, he's looking for a place to play. So I think we need some more Minnesota people to step up their game and just, you know, tell them where it's at. So keep practicing. <laughs> I hear Brad's pretty good. So, I, Well, I'm sure he is because he's young and been playing for a while and and whatnot. All right, guys, split last weekend. Now we head to Notre Dame and Viggs. This Notre Dame team has definitely been a Jekyll and Hyde team this year. Play good, bad one night, play good the next night. But overall, it sounds like that team's kind of been a disappointment for you. Yeah, I thought they might be competing with Minnesota for the league this year. You looked at their roster coming back. They have an older team. And Jeff Jackson's teams, when they're older, are typically very difficult to beat. They're they're very stingy. Mm-hmm. They're very good on faceoffs. They're very good on special teams. They're very good on faceoff plays, and they're tough to to compete with. And this year, just too many splits for them. And yeah. I I don't know what's going on. I, I haven't watched them very closely, uh, but you know when you're splitting with Wisconsin, Alaska, uh, that's not that's not great. You know they did play a tough schedule. And and they get credit for that in the strength of schedule and the pairwise, so they're they're not out of it. But I think it's definitely disappointing uh, from what I thought coming into the year. Yeah, I was hoping they would be a little stronger too, because you know we did the Gophers did take care of them fairly easily a couple months ago when they came into town, and uh, it was just they just haven't been able to right the ship. Um, maybe Michigan's kind of in a similar situation, Viggs. They just kind of far behind in the standings kind of it might be tough for them to catch up um but i guess we'll just have to wait and see eric what is a memory of yours going to notre dame oh you're putting me on the spot i know that's what i do <laughs> yeah um you're messing up i had a bunch of stats from my homer i'm a stack guy i don't know if you knew that um, no, we'll, we'll, we'll hear those two I, but i, I, I want to hear your personal guy. story of success or failure I was going to piggyback. Well, honestly, the first memory that comes to mind is they ended our season my senior year on that tough, tough uh, hooking call for Sheehy. And then they scored uh, in overtime on the power. Yes, that was brutal. It was a a stick lift textbook stick lift. Called it a hook. It was under the stick, too. Not on the hands. Um, so Terrible. thanks for bringing that up. But uh, <laughs> well, I was going to piggyback on on Beegs and just they're pretty unimpressive, honestly. I was surprised yeah. to see where they were in the pairwise para, relative to kind of how they've gone about their schedule. Um, they're 35th in goals against and 45th in goals for or something like that. Maybe those are interchanged, so they don't really do anything well. Um, it seems like both or every weekend for the last three months has been good one night, bad the other. Um, and so I, I don't know. They're not scary at all, really. Mm-hmm. You just, they, they'll try to get one or two and lock it down. And 
I don't really see them being able to do that against the Gophers. By the way, Tyler Shee, he had a great sense of humor about that penalty because for a couple of years after that, some weird penalty would happen and I would blame Sheehy just for fun <laughs> on Twitter. And every time he liked it because he kind of got the joke that it was yeah. a, a total BS call. So he had I like a great sense I, of humor on the ice after that. <laughs> I don't think anyone did. Bob, Bob almost slipped on the ice going after the refs. Someone had to bring him in. That was funny. It wasn't funny at the time, actually. Oh, it, it wasn't funny, obviously. It ended the season. Um it's not going to happen this weekend, Beeks. I I really think that Minnesota can solidify the Big Ten by going in and getting six points this weekend. Yeah, I heard Bob talking today, and his focus on win every series the rest of the way, and we control our destiny. Yes. you know That's key on their mind is let's win the series, and it starts with one game. And I think that's how the team has to look at it because – when you're playing a team that's up and down, you know, if you take care of them the first night, the second night, maybe they'll find their legs and, and find their brains and give you a hockey game. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they show up the first night and give you a hockey game and disappear the next. You've got to come into a, a weekend like this and take it seriously and don't get away from your game. Despite how bad Notre Dame has looked, you know, we've seen them play good hockey. And yes. I've never seen Jeff Jackson more disappointed than after the series with Minnesota early in the year. So you can bet he's got this one circle on his calendar and he is scheming for this weekend. So I, I don't think they can take their foot off the gas and they just have to play a smart, deliberate game and be on time on the forecheck this weekend. I thought that's what was missing in the St. Cloud game from them maybe being able to break something open. That's what how Minnesota got so much pressure on Michigan was being on time with the forecheck and putting their defensemen under pressure. I don't think they did that last weekend. And they have a big opportunity to do that at Notre Dame. Did the the junior players get some rest this week? Yeah, they were locked out of the equipment uh, Monday and Tuesday. So today, I think was their their first day on the ice. Uh, you know, the players were around, but they weren't allowed to skate or practice. So, and now you know they're dealing with some sort of flu bug that might not be food poisoning with the team now too. So they're kind of taking it. Taking it easy over there. It's the time of year. You know, once it hits one player, you can give it from another player and another team. I mean, it's – you just got to play through it, right, Eric? You just got to – I mean, do your best. They have the depth, I guess. That's a good thing. And you, and you get guys uh, who maybe haven't gotten a lot of reps, get some more reps and some more minutes, which I guess – I mean, you can't, you can't just – Go into Notre Dame thinking you're gonna it's gonna be a cakewalk, but like it could be a situation where it's advantageous actually to be up in the third and get the third and fourth line guys some some more minutes and some more experience on the road against a Big Ten opponent. So and they got to get there first, but it can, could end up being a positive, I guess. Would they bring all three goalies, Beegs? Uh what's the rule on that? Because technically, one goalie is sick. You need a backup. Yeah, I think they need 25 players on the traveling roster for Big Ten. So they might have to sacrifice a couple guys to get that. Well, we would always travel with we would always travel with three goalies anyways for that reason. Because I mean okay. I mean one goes down, you're you're screwed. So like three is the three is the baseline, I think, unless that's changed since 
since I've left. I would imagine they. I think it's more about just dressing goalies, isn't it, Vegas? It's that's more. Dressing. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but there is a travel limit for the Big Ten that's not there for the non-conference games. So some guys are gonna have to stay home. So if it's Fish and Schmidt or something like that, we'll we'll see what happens exactly. But. You know, they can't travel with everybody available just in case when you get sick like this, you have to have guys make decisions. Are they good enough to go? And I think that's why some guys have been held out of practice. Yeah, I think that's why, you know, some guys have been held out of practice just to hopefully blow through whatever (laughs) they have right now. Because that's what I do here is that whatever guys are getting, they're getting over it quick. It's just not very fun when they're sick. So It's just how it is this time of year. Hits every team almost every year. Some kind of flu, some kind of bug, you know, it goes through. Um, a couple of years ago, it was obviously COVID, which is a little bit different, especially with with how everything was going at that time. So so I, I worry a bit about Logan Cooley's legs. You know, he admitted it on Sunday night that he was, you know, feeling the jelly in his legs when he was trying to get going during the overtime. You know, but obviously he was able to fight through it. Uh, Snuggerud, I'm not as worried with because his shot is what makes him so dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I was at practice today, uh, confirmed his shot is still effective. He's <laughs> still ripping it <laughs> from all over. So I think they're just fine there. Uh, and I think Nines is back to full strength. He looked, he looked good today. And, and, you know, you and I were watching the game on Saturday. We were noticing Nyes was going off earlier. I mean, actually, Nyes was probably going off when you wanted him to, didn't he, Viggs? Yeah, I mean, he they should be taking that 50-second shift. What you'd see is, you know, the Gophers would get out of their zone, they'd get that scoring chance, they'd come back to the D zone, they would gain the puck, and he'd be off right away. And, you know, Cooley and Snugger are still out there chasing that one more rush on their shift when <laughs> probably a coach's brain is saying, hey, it's time. What do you think their average shift length is? Do we got stats on that? Oh, that would be good. They have some long shifts. I mean, you can kind of do it when you put up that many points, but they have some long <laughs> shifts. But Viggs, you've caught them. They've been caught many times giving up a goal. Yep. They've they've been caught out there for about a minute forty a couple times and give up Ooh. a goal. I I would bet their shift length averages about one fifteen. Uh, I know Instat does track that. Uh, Brad Schlossman has shared some of that data with me at certain points of the year because he's a subscriber or somehow the Grand Forks Herald gives him that uh, privilege to get that access. So he has it and he shared it with me. It's it's long. It's significant. It's interesting to look at that stat, how much ice time Cooley and Sugger get. Nyes is a little bit lower. And you also see that Faber and Lacombe are back down in that 20 minute range. Whereas I think last year they were up in that 25, 26. Uh, so that's interesting to see. Don't you goalies ever get tired out there? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah. I mean, I guess if there's a, a, a lot of flurries and a lot of pressure on you, you do, but uh, you guys, it's not like you're getting line changes. You're stuck out there. Yeah. You can get hemmed in pretty good there. The, your, your legs start getting on fire for you're you're in a two minute shift or in, in zone or a five on three type thing. But I mean, you also get rest too, right? When it goes down to the other end. So it's not too bad. Gotta be in shape. You can't it's, be- it's honest. It's hot in all the gear and I'm a sweater too. I just <laughs> leak in my gear. So I lose so much water and whatnot that, that that was the biggest thing for me is just, always being overheated 
And uh, it depends on the arena too. Cause you yeah, know, for sure. I, I've, I've, I, I got the, you know, when they had the lockout all those years ago, the, the, the wild allowed people to come in and do free skates. So a bunch of us, Viggs, did you skate that one? Yeah. I played a couple there. The arena was just, even with nobody in it with gear on, I was boiling up yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You and can then, see why Jake Middleton runs hot and has got to go tarps off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but you're right. I mean, you've got all that gear on, and obviously it's gotten lighter. It's gotten better over the decades. I can't imagine some of those old gullies with the leather pads all those years ago. Um, but you're right. It's it's not exactly cool down there. No. No, it's not. The NHL rinks are, are worse, too. I guess the oh, only yeah. experience is the Joe and uh the x but those they're noticeably worse too and mariucci's not great either just because the bigger the rank i feel like the worse it is and or the newer even um but yeah it's it's not it's not great not fun or uh ohio states is bad too because it's dual purpose right they got the basketball Mm -hmm. in there too so it's not straight hockey focus so that one is actually maybe the worst in the big 10 them or wisconsin wisconsin's bad too because it's not like you're moving either. You're pretty stationary. At least when you're moving, you kind of got a little easy breeze. With that. What do you mean stationary? Well, you don't have a big breeze going up and down the ice. At least yeah, that kind of helps a bit. That's true. If you get a breeze, you're not in the right spot. You gotta throw some <laughs> throw some water down the back. That's the key. Oh, so speaking of rinks, uh, what do you think about the controversy in the NHL right now with all the goalies lifting the nets off? And knocking nets off because you know you brought up Ohio State, you know they've got some serial offenders over there for knocking the pegs off, and you know I I think there is some shenanigans happening in the goalie community. Are are you going to speak on that? The goalie community, former goalie. You know I got to ride with goalie nation, but um, (laughs) I would say I would say from from my experience, me personally. I would never like the, the game is moving so fast and you're that's the last thing I was focused on. And so if it comes off, it's genuinely a mistake. I think it happens to some guys more than others because they just naturally go into the post harder or they use the post as an anchor more than some. Um, so for the most part, I really do think just based on how a goalie plays they're 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 going to knock it off more than others. And if it's in the heat of a play, yeah, they might give it a little extra kick if they've been hemmed in the zone. But like, it really is the last thing you're thinking about. Like, you're you're focused on making a save. Um, but I mean, I don't doubt it. People, Mariucci's pegs are brutal. Yes, we know, Dan. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> the other thing is some some rinks don't have their peg situation figured out. Well, Mariucci went downhill when they when Don moved the red line back to the NHL distance because it was international distance and there was even more space behind the goal which he didn't want so those pegs are they're not the original pegs they had there was kind of jerry rigged in there to not hit a a pipe underneath because that's not what they originally were gotcha i didn't even know that yeah blame it on don (laughs) (laughs) there you go yeah because you know (laughs) The, the international rule is it is it fifteen feet out from the back, Viggs? It's something close to that. I I can't remember exactly, but it is deeper. It is deeper, yes. Uh, and you get in the when corner they, when they pulled the it back. Yeah, yeah. When they pulled it back, that's why they had to also obviously they had to shift 
the goals a little, just a tad bit because they didn't want to. Uh, Craig Flores tell me that the guy who was, you know, drilling the holes when they did that was really nervous because he didn't want to hit anything. Mm-hmm. And, he, yeah. and he was even he was even saying this past weekend when they redo Mariucci, they might plan for, hey, let's put some holes a little further. Let's put some holes a little bit back further in case someone in the future wants to move them because they'll already be there. Yeah, the big thing with the international is where the radius of the corner oh. ends, where the where the boards get straight again and it's no longer curving. That's yep. where the goal line was. So um, in next time you're at Mariucci, imagine the goal line being at that spot on the ice. Yes. The boards are straight again and not curving anymore. Because I remember playing in an NHL rink like Excel and seeing how tight the corners were mm-hmm. after playing most of the rinks I'd played in. They weren't as tight of a radius. And it was just like, wow, you really get into the play really quick coming out of this corner. And, and that's what the NHL wants. They want that play coming faster to the net from those positions. And there aren't many rinks that were like Mariucci. I mean, yes, St. Cloud was Olympic size, but their corners are not Olympic size. Right. Their corners are... One with Wisconsin, too, right? Wisconsin's hybrid, right? Yes. It's very slightly hybrid. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like 98 feet or something like that. But yeah, everything went wrong at Mariucci when he changed the red line. <laughs> yeah, apparently. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. But I know that the NHL is is tagging all their game clips when the net comes off because they're investigating goalies. So they're under double what? secret probation. Under fire. What was the video yeah. we saw this week of him just working the goal? I did see that one. That one was that one. I mean, I can't imagine that he just knocked the net off that blatantly. My guess would be that he thought. Well, he was trying to loosen it so it would come off easier, I think. Yeah, maybe. I, I thought when I saw that video, I was like, well, either this guy's nuts and he's just knocking off the net like this, or he thought it was loose before and that it would come off and he was just like, here, I'll save us all the time. Because that can, well, that can mess the goalie up too because if you're sliding into your post and, and the net's not on correctly, again, you can't really anchor as you as you should or as you'd like. Um but now I'm just making excuses for Matt Murray and Tommy Napier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tommy Napier too. Was that Napier for for Ohio, Ohio State? State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he used to knock the net off all the time on the penalty kill. Yeah, and so it's a little bit of style, a little bit of gamesmanship. You know, you just got to play it to the edge. I don't think he ever got called for it though. He got warned. I I don't think I've ever seen someone called for it because like how can you. Like, if you're going to call that penalty, especially in a close game, like, you better be damn sure that that guy's knocking the net off. And I don't know how you could you could say that because every move, Oops. I mean, unless the goalie's an idiot, um, every move into the net that knocks off the pegs is a natural goalie move, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, how are you going to call the guy on it unless he shoves it off like Matt Murray did the other night? And I've heard officials when they ref at Mariucci, they know that the pegs are are brutal, yeah. and so they give a little bit more leeway. And I think some goalies know that coming in, uh, and maybe take advantage of it. Oh, Napier, we had fun with Napier. At least I did. <laughs> I, 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 I'm sorry, he was not two twenty bigs. I'm sure he was two forty. He was a big kid. I'm sure he fluctuates. Yeah, know? he needed to mix in a couple sounds. When, you, when you're a big body, you know it goes up and down pretty quick. Yeah, when I look at my body, I know when someone else needs to mix in salads too. So, 
So that's how it is. All right, how about some predictions for the weekend? Mr. Shearhorn, what do you think the Govers are going to do this weekend? I mean, even if I didn't think it was a sweep, I'd probably say it was a sweep. Just yeah. full transparency. But, I mean, it's got to be a sweep against these guys. I think a uh, handy sweep, too. I don't know. We're, I'll even give you goals for, goals against. I'm going to say the Gophers put up 10 and give up two. Might be a 5-1, 5-1 series. Ooh. Yeah. That's how I'm feeling. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I pricked it at a sweep last week in Vegas. It didn't work out. So save me here. I think we're seeing sweep this weekend. Minnesota has played very, very well against Notre Dame, especially at Compton Family Ice Arena. I don't know what it is exactly that does it, uh, but I feel like Notre Dame's style almost gives Minnesota so much space that when Minnesota plays with their skill against them, it just shines. And it's it's a weekend for the, the skilled players to take advantage of the opportunities that they get and put the puck in the net. I think we probably see a shutout in one of the games this weekend with the defensive structure that Minnesota's playing and the decision-making that they're displaying out on the ice. I think we'll probably see something like a 4 nothing. 5-1 game as well. I think Eric's pretty spot on that we're not going to see any close games. Now, isn't Compton another one of those arenas like Michigan State where the benches are on opposite sides? Yeah. Yep, opposite sides. It's a weird rink. Eric, they don't take too many penalties. What does that do to teams? I, I really have no idea. Does that affect teams I at mean, all? I mean, it gives them a slight advantage because they can pop out of their box, take one step, and go into, into their bench, whereas the – Away yeah. to skate across the ice. That's the whole idea. I remember I was um, on a visit to Nebraska Omaha, and this would have been 2014, maybe. No, 2015. But they were building their new rink at the time. And I remember Dean Blaze was telling me that, yeah, like he was telling me that the two things that they were building in that I think he thought was super clever was one, they were going to make the the away team have a super long walk from the away locker room onto the ice. And then they were going to make the benches on opposite sides just to give that slight advantage to, to them as the home team being able to just pop in. Um, whereas the away team has to skate all the way across. So I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure they pick up a, a goal every once in a while from, from them having to come across, but. But it does make a shorter change because the, the benches are typically more centered Vigs. So that, that second period, you know, defensive change is not as far. Yeah, that's that's true. But I, I do think that penalty box issue, you know, does show up every once in a while. So it's something different and something to be aware of. You know, the Gophers have such a young team. I don't think it'll be a problem. <laughs> you know, they've played a lot of hockey games at this point in their careers. Uh, they'll probably adjust just fine, but it is something unique. I remember old Mariucci had it that way. They the did. The box right next to the gopher bench and the visiting team on the other side. That's probably why Dean Blaze thought it was such a cool thing to have. Yeah. <laughs> we shall see. Games are on Peacock this weekend, Viggs. Uh, Peacock has done a really good job. I mean, or at least Notre Dame has done a really good job at the quality of the stream. Um, a lot of people will get Peacock free with like Xfinity and a couple of the cable providers. Otherwise, people, it's $4.99 for a month of Peacock. Get it for a month. That you get great go for hockey this weekend, and then you can stream all their other stuff for a month. So I think it's a bargain either way. I hear people complaining about it, Vigs. 
I, I, I just don't know how you could complain about it. I think it's a really good service for what you're getting for five bucks. We're just kind of headed that way with sports. Yeah. You, you look at all the money that's going in to the athletics these days and all the streaming services trying to get in. You're just going to have to adjust. It's not like the old days where you could just get one simple cable package or put up your bunny ears and be fine. It's, it's going to be different from week to week. And uh, at least the quality is going to be really nice. All right. Eric, thanks for joining us again. Will you hang around a bit for overtime? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for All having me. Right. Viggs, what you got going on? I'm excited to see the beer. <laughs> Besides <laughs> the beer. <laughs> yeah, that's about it right now. You know, I'm looking forward to, to the weekend here. Uh, I think recruiting is going to be a little quiet now for the Gophers going okay. forward. Okay. Now that they got Jackson Nevers, I think they've still got to decide what's going to happen at the end of the year and they're saving scholarships. Uh, but they couldn't wait on Jackson Nevers. He's he's a must-take for them. Okay. Okay. Well, nothing wrong with that. Well, thanks for joining us, Eric. We love having you on. And nice. He's going to be with us here for a bit of overtime. Oh, it's going to be a fun weekend. I like these weekends at Notre Dame. So that's going to wrap it up for this uh, GPL podcast. Obviously, thank Eric again for joining us. We'll be back next week, recap this series with Notre Dame and preview the series with Michigan. We'll have... Connor Eargood from the Michigan Daily on with us to help uh, preview that weekend. It'll be interesting to have him on. So for those of you watching uh, live, stay tuned for some overtime. For the rest of you, we'll catch you next time on the GPL Podcast.